Praise the Lord. Welcome to our weekly 30-minute podcast, The Elephant in the Room with Bishop Michael Bellamy. Our podcast will cover a variety of topics that are often overlooked, misunderstood, or even controversial from a biblical perspective. We're blessed to have a wonderful team of enthusiastic and excited producers who want to make each episode something that will be enjoyable and informative. In today's episode, we will explore how to love God's way. Everybody wants to love and be loved. We want to experience joyful and fulfilling lives. We will discover the only way to accomplish this is when we love God's way. Today's podcast was produced by Elder Maurice Clinton Sr. I'll be right back with today's episode. When we think of joy, we think of a feeling of immense pleasure and happiness. There is a plethora of books written about joy, happiness, and love. People want to be happy, live joyfully, love, and be loved. The late Professor Leo Buscalia, one of my favorite authors and lecturers, said, and I quote, Only when we give joyfully, without hesitation or thought of gain, can we truly know what love means. Professor Buscalia was called Dr. Love. His writings and lectures help many people with self-awareness, awareness of others, and methods to love themselves and others. I would like you to consider joy, happiness, and love in a different way, a way far greater than the books on this topic in the self-help section of your favorite bookstore. The way I am speaking of is the optimum way of learning to live, love, and experience the highest level of love. Would you consider looking at love from the person who is the author of love and has demonstrated what love truly is? The Holy Scriptures are the best source to give insight and instruction for a healthy and lasting love that brings joy in living. This is accomplished when we love God's way. Let's look at the biblical perspective concerning the anatomy of love. First, we must love God and his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Secondly, we must love others, and then lastly, ourselves. A Pharisee, who was an expert in the law, asked Jesus, What is the greatest commandment? That was an excellent question, because the answer would help God-loving and God-fearing people to prioritize their love and affection. Jesus' reply gives clarity to the order of human love. Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40, the NIV reads like this, 
Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You may wonder how this type of love could work in a world that thrives on doing the opposite. Putting oneself first, others second, then God and Jesus Christ. It's the reverse of the golden rule, where societal norms often teach people to give love as long as those around them love them back. To take joy in knowing that they can write people off without a second thought. Let me share another quote with you from Leo Biscalia. To love is to risk not being loved in return. To hope is to risk pain. To try is to risk failure. But risk must be taken because the greatest hazard in life is to risk nothing. Love makes us vulnerable. We may not have our love reciprocated. As Dr. Love said, we risk not being loved in return. It's disappointing and hurtful for someone to lose on their investment in love. No one wants to lose. Now, I must interject a positive note here. There is no risk or loss in loving God's way. God's way is the best way. Man's way to love is conditional, based on specific circumstances and dictated by how a person is treated by others. However, God's way to love shows us that all people are worthy of love simply because they are. We do not have permission or license to dislike or hate anyone, even if a person is a declared enemy. Jesus Christ commanded us to love our enemies. Strong's Concordance defines hate as detesting someone or strongly disliking them, to love less, or to postpone esteem for someone. Regardless of how we are treated, we must allow the love of God that should be in us to dictate how we treat others. Matthew chapter 25 Verse 44, the King James Version states, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. The Apostle Paul wrote to the saints in Corinth, telling them their worship, devotion, and charity was futile, if they did not love God's way. Again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, the New King James Version says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, 
and have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not love, it profits me nothing. That may be a tough pill to swallow. The exercise of gifts, the investment of money, time, effort, energy, and self-sacrifice means nothing if it is not done within the parameters of God's love. We may call this chapter the litmus test of loving God's way. Realistically speaking, it is not humanly possible to have that kind of love. This kind of love is not innate or natural. The love of God must be poured into all hearts by the Holy Spirit. This means that a person who does not have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit cannot love God's way. It is humanly and spiritually impossible. Now, the elephant in the room is, in our society, we have to contend with the traditions of men when it comes to love. But God's way will always be the better way. You may wonder, how is it possible to live in the world and love the way God does when so many others are for themselves? Although it is the natural propensity of people to be selfish, when the love of God is poured into all hearts, all thoughts, behaviors, and habits change. As followers of Jesus Christ, we live beyond Merriam-Webster's definition of love as an intense feeling of deep affection, a feeling of strong or constant affection from a person. In the four loves written by C.S. Lewis, he identified four types of love. Storge, Philia, Eros, and Agape. Let's examine them. Marie and I have six living children and 14 grandchildren. We get excited about seeing our family come together and celebrate. Our family does a lot of hugging. Our youngest son, who is an adult, enjoy laying his head on Marie's shoulder and asking for a hug. If he's had a difficult day at work, he'll say words to the effect, Mama, hold me. Our youngest daughter doesn't give a second thought to putting all her weight on my aging frame as she embraces me. C.S. Lewis called this Storge love. Storge love is the love parents have for their children and the love children have for their parents. It is instinctive, natural, and intuitive. Do you want to see a grandparent eyes light up? Well, have the grandchildren come to the house and spend some quality time with them. 
Storge is a basic type of human love that is shown between family and friends. Now let's talk about Philiga. It is called brotherly love. The friendship between David and Jonathan is a great example of this kind of love. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 3, the Christian Standard Bible reads like this. As soon as David had finished speaking to Saul, Jonathan and David became bound together in close friendship. Jonathan began to love him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him, and he did not allow him to return to his father's house. And Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the sleeveless coat that he wore and gave it to David, along with his gear, his sword, his bow, and his belt. David began going out and was successful wherever Saul would send him. So Saul put him in charge of the fighting men, and this pleased all the people and the servants of Saul. It is completely normal and innocent to have a pure friendship with people we value, trust, and enjoy socializing with. An example of this kind of friendship can be seen among men doing March Madness, the football season, and the Super Bowl. One will witness men enjoying watching the games and rooting for their favorite teams. Philia is a healthy love that helps to heal. It does not intentionally hurt or disappoint one's friends. There would be less violence and crime in our cities if there was more filial love. We would not have hungry families and homelessness in our wealthy country if there was more of this type of love. In April of 2021, former NBA star Shaquille O'Neal overheard a man talking to a sales representative at Zell's jewelry store about purchasing and an engagement ring. The man was discussing making payment plans. Shaquille offered to pay for the ring. Initially, the man declined and then later accepted. When Shaquille was asked about it, he said, this is something that I do every day. I'm into making people happy. So whenever I leave home, I just try to do a good thing. I'm just trying to make people smile, that's all. The world would be a better place if there were more people like Shaquille O'Neal, people who leave the house with the intent to make someone smile. What's love got to do with it? Everything. Filial love is a wonderful expression of human kindness, compassion, empathy, and generosity that comes from the heart of a good person. This is Bishop Michael Bellamy. I hope you're enjoying our podcast and will subscribe to our Facebook page. You will find our weekly 30-minute podcast on many of your favorite platforms. 
Would you please tell your family and friends to listen as well? Eros is romantic love, that is, sensual, sexual, and intimate, expressed by married couples. Eros expressed and experienced outside of marriage is called fornication and adultery. Eros, when expressed between a married couple, is an enjoyable and beautiful way of showing tender affection in marriage. The Book of Solomon is one of the most beautiful books in the Bible that explicitly describes the way of loving approved by God. When God made Adam, he said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Although some people proudly say they have the gift of singleness and are pleased to remain unmarried, God said, it is not good. Eros is not lust. A person cannot love God's way when they are lustful. The scripture teaches us lust is a vice to be avoided. Love is not lust. I don't believe they can coexist. Lust is the dark side of Eros and can be unhinged, self-destructive, and reckless. I will close this segment by saying, Eros, when expressed in a healthy way, is a gift from God to be shared by a man and woman who are in covenant by marriage. Although it is not the highest level of love, it is excellent and to be desired. Now let's talk about the highest and the most holy way to love. God's love, agape love, is unconditional and perfect. It is unending and cannot fail. God's love is the best thing that ever happened to us. You're familiar with John 3.16? The King James Version says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That same author, John, wrote in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, and that we should be called the sons of God, and therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. A love with conditions means you can fall in and fall out of love with a person, place, or thing. But God's love is not and does not work that way. Not because of how worthy we are, but because with God's love, we have mercy. Many of the things we have learned about love are from the Word of God. They're principles that are intertwined. Now, what are the characteristics of God's love? What makes his love excel beyond all other types of love? According to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 7 in the NIV, God's love is patient, is kind, does not envy, and it does not boast, is not proud, 
does not dishonor others, is not self-seeking, is not easily angered, keeps no records of wrongs, does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. How do you hold up against these characteristics? Read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7, and replace the word love with your name. Do you measure up? If not, that's okay, because there is correction in the love of God. You may ask, is it possible to love God's way? Yes, it is possible when God's love is poured daily into all hearts. I don't believe God will command us to do the impossible. You may have heard me say, God does not set us up for failure. That would not be fair and certainly not consistent with his character. If he commands us to love his way, he will equip us to do just that. There is another scripture I want to read for you that clearly states that God provides us with everything that we need to love. And that is in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. I'll read it from the contemporary English version. We have everything we need to live a life that pleases God. It was all given to us by God's own power. When we learned, he had invited us to share in his wonderful goodness. The greatest gift God has given us is his love. The greatest act of appreciation we can show him is to reciprocate by loving him and Jesus Christ and our neighbors. Now, friends, let's be real. We're not there yet. Don't be unkind to yourself because you haven't arrived. It takes work and conscious effort. I believe if we do the work, that is, continue practicing love, then we will perfect it. When we need help loving, he will help us. I will say it again. God does not set us up for failure. With God, we can come boldly to his throne for mercy and forgiveness, wiping the slate clean and starting afresh. In doing this, we realign ourselves to his will and continue our Christian journey. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5 says, But God, who is rich, in mercy. I love this verse. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, have quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. Now, you may be wondering how you can exhibit the characteristics of God's love as you go through each day, just go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, where Paul expounds on what godly love looks like 
and how it must be expressed. We must show patience instead of short-temperedness. Be kind when others are mean. Resist the urge to envy what others have or who they are. Stay humble. Don't be rude. Be generous with your resources. Be slow to react in situations that can cause your temper to flare. Don't keep a record of how people offend or hurt you. Take joy in what is true and not what is evil. In a nutshell, God's love is summed up in verse 7 and 8. Real love, the love that comes from God, is continuously bearing all things, believing all things, trusting through it all, hoping always, and it does not fail. The love of God does not waver, does not change, and does not end. This kind of love goes against everything society teaches and your flush desires to do. What is described in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8 is not just love in words, but love defined in deed. When one is filled up to the brim with the Holy Spirit, you can love as God in Christ commands. We will be able to understand and practice the love in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, that tells us not just to love, but to love deeply, because that kind of love will cover a multitude of sins. Loving deeply requires one to love earnestly and fervently. It's not optional, but a command of Jesus Christ. We must love because God is love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, challenges those who say they love God, but can't stand their brother or sister. The New Living Translation says it like this, If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see. Finally, my friends, don't be afraid to love genuinely and with vulnerability. Embrace loving people God's way because the God of love and peace shall be with you. Well, friends, that's all the time we have for today. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Don't forget to join us for our weekly 30-minute podcast where we will address the elephant in the room. Today's podcast was produced by Elder Maurice Clanton C. Friends, it's Black History Month, and our team of producers and I are celebrating by sharing some wonderful poems with you at the end of our podcast this month. I'm excited to have Chardonnay Muhammad, one of our producers, with me on today. Hi, Chardonnay. 
Hi, how are you? I'm doing just fine, and I'm sure you're doing great. I am. Thank you for asking. Wonderful. Welcome to the podcast. This is uh, your first time being live with me. Although we didn't plan this, I do want to give credit to whom credit is due. I wouldn't be doing this podcast if you and I hadn't talked several months ago about doing this. Yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you for the credit, but um, I thank you for being up for the challenge. <laughs> well, it is it is challenging, but I'm loving every moment of it. We're, we have a wonderful team of producers, and I call you all the dream team, and it's just a pleasure working with you all. You've selected some poems to share with us this month of Black history. Let me ask you, what does Black history mean to you? Black history means to me a celebration and an appreciation to the events and people that are fundamental and have paved the way uh, for us today and are, um, again, fundamental to our history Fantastic. And um, what poem are you going to share with us today? So today I'm going to be reading Black History Month by Nikki Giovanni. If Black History Month is not viable, then wind does not carry the seeds and drop them on fertile ground. Rain does not dampen the land and encourage the seeds to root. Sun does not warm the earth and kiss the seedlings until them plain. You're as good as anybody else. You've got a place here too. Wow. What a beautiful uh, poem to, um, to start the month out with. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Chardonnay will be with us every weekend for the month of February, sharing one of her choice poems with us. Thanks so much, Char. Be safe. Take care and God bless. Thank you.